0: You are listening to the Campus Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Dinah Jansen. Each Wednesday on CFRC 101.9 FM in Kingston, I welcome a new guest from Queen's University to discuss news, issues, upcoming events, initiatives, and services for the benefit of Queen's students, faculty, staff, and alumni. Thanks for tuning in to this podcast, and we hope you enjoy the episode. Hello, and welcome to Campus Beat. I'm Dinah Jansen. Queen's University, like many universities, has a chancellor, the ceremonial head, and highest officer of the institution. And we saw in recent news after a search that began in autumn 2020, Queen's University has selected our next chancellor, the Honorable Marie Sinclair, who will succeed the 14th chancellor, Jim Leach, who has held this office since 2014. Traditionally, chancellors selected to fill this position show a deep interest in the welfare of their university and represent its values. Chancellors have a national presence, have been able to represent Queen's University's interests anywhere in the world and have acted as important points of contact with major donors and as goodwill ambassadors across a spectrum of activities. And the chancellor also participates in a variety of university ceremonies as well as student and alumni events, notably the traditional hearty handshake students all receive at the time of their laureation at convocation. And with us today to talk about his many roles and many happy memories of his time as our 14th chancellor is Jim Leach. Welcome back to CFRC, Jim.
1: Thank you, Dinah.
0: It's such a pleasure to have you in the virtual studio once again. Uh, Big news (laughs) from the university in the last week that a successor has been selected. And I'm guessing there's a huge sense of elation amongst the university's leadership right now about this announcement. What are your thoughts?
1: Well, I'm very excited about it. In fact, couldn't be more excited. Um, I said to university council at the time that um, uh, they were taking the vote for the 15th chancellor that, you know, when I sit in the boardroom in Richardson Hall and see the 13 portraits of my 13 predecessors on the wall, I'm, I'm in awe. I mean, they're incredible individuals. Governor generals, uh, premiers, business uh, leaders, et cetera. And um, and it's it's pretty humbling to be in that crowd. But now I know with the appointment of Justice Sinclair that looking forward to the next 14, they're gonna be just as inspiring.
0: All right. So the search for our new chancellor uh, began last fall. Uh, to your recollection, having been through the process yourself, how are these searches conducted, Jim? How how does the search committee execute a search, and, and what criteria are folks looking for in a new chancellor?
1: Well, I was not part of either the committee that chose me or the committee that uh, uh, chose uh, Justice Sinclair. However, um, it's well laid out. There are, uh, and it's the university council that actually makes the appointment. So there are a number of university council members, the chair of the board, uh, Mm -hmm. the rector uh, and uh, alumni, uh, and I think a donor representative that comprise the committee. And um, uh, what, what they do is they, publicize the fact that the committee has been constituted and ask for people to submit suggestions, names, nominations, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, this isn't something that you run or campaign for. Right. This is, um, uh, nor is it something that you really interview for. Um, The the stature of uh, Murray Sinclair and others who have been chancellor, you know, it's something where the committee uh, arrives at it dis- as a recommendation, and then goes out, and the principal on behalf of the committee goes out and makes the request. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember in my case, and and, and the individuals, uh, you know, I'm sure it's a surprise to them. It, it certainly was to me, and I know it was to Justice Murray. There was no, there were no head fakes or Um, you know hints or putting the toe in the water you go with the question. Um, In in my case it was one of those situations where I get a phone call from the principal's office saying that uh, Dr. Wolf and uh, and the then chair of the board wanted to um, come and see me and it was in the middle of our 500 million dollar campaign and so I'm pretty sure they're coming to ask me for money You know, I mean, the chair of the board, a principal, and they come to my office and sit down and and say, "We're here to ask you if you would consider um, accepting the chancellorship position." And I think I was so relieved that they weren't asking me for more money (laughs) that I went, "Whoa, this is this is very interesting." But in my case, it was it was. um, I was, uh, I was very quick to respond in the affirmative, as was Justice Sinclair, I'm, I sh- must add. Uh, in my case, it was, um, I just kept thinking about my father who has, some of your listeners may know, was registrar at Queens. Mm-hmm. And when he was leaving the army, when he was leaving the army, he had a number of job offers. One was to be registrar, one was to be the ambassador in Belgium, and one was to be the omnibusman in Alberta. And I remember him consulting with me. uh, Listen, when I was in third year university, of course, I knew everything. Um, And uh, he said to me that he had these three choices. Um, And I said, "You you know, which one are you leaning towards? And he said, the registrar. And I said, you know that doesn't have a lot of gravitas. I mean, being ambassador to Belgium or omnibusman for the province of Alberta, like that's gravitas. Like, why would you want to be registrar at Queen's University? And he said, I will be surrounded by young people and that will make me live longer. Huh. And I remember vividly when um, uh, Daniel Wolf and, uh, and Barb Polk pop the question those were the words that went through my head you know you will be surrounded by young people and you will live
0: longer well that's encouraging (laughs) that's a great that's a great way to make a decision (laughs) I think absolutely (laughs) so you accepted the role and now, and then with that, you took on a number of pretty uh, fascinating and wonderful responsibilities for the university and, and our whole community, including uh, the work that you've done in goodwill and ambassadorship over the years. Let's talk a little bit about some of the, uh, your fond memories of your time as our chancellor and uh, some of those wins that you've had along the way. Let's talk about uh, goodwill and ambassadorship first.
1: Sure. I mean, as, as I think I said to you previously, uh, the role of chancellor is to the university, what the role of governor general is to the country. You may be the highest officer in the land, uh, but you have no authority uh, and no responsibility. But what you do have is a lot of moral suasion. Um, people, if, you, if I as chancellor, my role as chancellor, take an interest in something, other people notice that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so without saying anything, without really being too overt about something, you can lend your weight to to something. Um, What I've enjoyed, as you say, the ambassador role, I've been to, I think all of the Canadian uh, branches, alumni branches, spoken to them, um, you know, met alumni, many of whom I knew before. So I was catching up on old acquaintances, mm-hmm. um, et etc. But it was also uh, being able to go out and 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 uh, give the branches a kind of a firsthand uh, debrief as to what's going on, because I have the privilege of, you know, being on the board uh, and being close to the principal. I can take forward the message that said, you know, university is this is a very serious priority for them or that, and can can carry on a discussion uh, that way. And it's, it's, that's been very enjoyable. So I've been to Hong Kong, I've been to Vancouver, you know, Calgary, uh, the Okanagan, uh, then, you know, all through Ontario and Montreal.
0: So when you are on campus, one thing that I've always found quite fascinating, I know when you're on campus, cause I can see your standard fly. Tell us about the heraldry that goes atop Grant Hall. What is it? What is the heraldry, and what is its significance? It's well, really neat that you have your own flag. <laughs> yeah, no.
1: well, then my grandson thinks that's the coolest thing of all. Um, the yes, there is a uh, Queens has a a flag that's called the Chancellor Standard, um, and I believe we're the only university in North America that has. A standard specific to the chancellor, and mm-hmm. it is flown from the top of Grant Hall if I am on campus, um, and so it's uh, it is the envy of every other chancellor in Canada uh, because they don't have that, um, <laughs> and it's uh, it is it is fairly cool. I, it may be an early warning system for the principal that he can look out his window and say, oh my gosh, the chancellor's on uh, on campus. So maybe his, he may have instituted it as an early warning system.
0: <laughs> so, uh, going back to convocation, what? So you're uh, regularly, or we're regularly on campus, of course, for a couple of weeks at a time during convocation. Do you have some particularly fun memories? Maybe uh, of um, an interaction you had with some students as they're convocating, or maybe some interactions you've had with individuals getting honorary degrees. What are your, some of your favorite memories of your time at our convocations?
1: Well, the honorary degrees are always very, very special. And in fact, one of the joys is that I host either a lunch or a dinner uh, for each um, uh, honorary degree recipient. And they're usually quite intimate affairs would be maybe 15, 20 of us, uh, You know, the dean of the faculty that is sponsoring the uh, uh, honorary degree, um, some students uh, from that discipline, etc. And it's very casual, it's very low key. And you really get to, to have a, a true conversation uh, with the individual. So those are always special. But not overshadowed by the fact that I remind myself every time I go on that stage, that this may be my 21st Convocation this year, but for 95% of the graduates, it's their first and only one in their lifetime. And so yeah. every one of them is special. Uh, I say as I, as I go up the stairs at the side of the stage at Grant Hall, there's a like a two seconds where I am not visible to the crowd. And I do a fist pump to myself and say, this is showtime and come out onto that stage with energy uh, because it's really important uh, to every one of those graduates and to their family, many of whom it's the first time that somebody in their family has graduated from university. So these are cherishable moments and uh, and. I really, you know, I, I can get quite emotional about it because it is, it's really mm-hmm. cool to see people come across the stage. Now, Some people are nervous as heck. Some people are, uh, uh, you know, sauntering across because they're used to, to being uh, on stage or whatever, but everybody is different. Um, I have had a, uh, a practice of endeavoring to memorize the first names of people when they're announced, so you know the you know the process. Individual comes up on stage, they hand their card with their name on to the caller. I'm always amazed at how fantastic the callers are and never botching anybody's name, and. Um, Usually, they're people from the callers or from the drama department, so that I kind of understand they're, they're good at that stuff. Anyway, they call out the name. Okay. Then the individual moves, shakes hands with the principal. Oh, no, sorry, moves over, gets hooded. Then moves, shakes hands with the principal, then shakes hands with me. So at, at any given time, there are at least three people in that train, uh, in that process. And um, I hear when the caller calls out the person's name, and uh, I try to memorize that first name so that when you get to me after being hooded and after the principal, I can say congratulations, Dinah. And um, it's I I got pretty good near the end. You know, I would say I was running at about eighty-five percent. Um, being able to do the names. Now, we change to a system sometimes when there's double hooding. So two people are announced at the same time and that cut my averages down. I'd say I'm down to about 60%. Uh, <laughs> but what, what, what is, what's lots of fun is I will, the individual comes over, I shake hands, congratulations, Dinah. And I always say, are your friends or family here today? And they'll usually, they're, they're kind of stunned that I, I'm talking and they'll say yes. And I'll say where, because what I want to do is swivel the two of us to turn towards where their parents or loved ones are so they can take that picture. And um, the amount of times I have people say they're over there and they go, <laughs> Where's over there? There's a big crowd out there. And the, the next answer sometimes is they're the one with the camera. And I go, yeah, there's about 600 cameras out there. Anyway, usually I could get them to kind of point us in the right direction or, or one of the parents will stand up and yell and say, I'm over here, I'm over here. And we turn, look at each other and I count to three and you know if the picture isn't it ta- hasn't been taken at the count of three, that's too bad. and we go on to the next one. And then of course, afterwards, um, you know, on, on, on nice days, and most of them are, we mill around outside Grand Hall at the end of the ceremony. and um, I will get approached uh, by, families to say, Hey, I missed this. I missed the picture. or Could I have another picture with, or a group of students will come over and say, we want to do a group shot, uh, et cetera. So, um, I figure I'm in a lot of family albums.
0: <laughs> well, that's fantastic, and you're certainly in a lot of memories of thousands and thousands of people as they've gone through this pretty significant rite of passage. So, uh, thank you for being a part of that for so many years, and so, every day is such a. I happy think day. I think I
1: saw that. I, that's right. I think I saw somebody wrote in one of the articles that it was around forty-five. Thousand students that
0: I've shaken hands. Wow, for. that's a lot of handshakes.
1: <laughs> Something like that. It was either forty or forty-five. Goodness.
0: Anyway, yeah. So I have to ask. Uh, I want to recall uh, a little quip that I remember from uh, your uh, appearance at the roast of Daniel Wolf prior to uh, finishing his term as principal a couple of years ago, and you had a little bit of a story there about Daniel Wolf's so-called hat trick something to do with the Aha. hats that you wear at convocation can you can you give us the scoop
1: well I remember back at my convocation and for many years um, the, the the ceremony was a little different but the Chancellor always wore this cat hat which was very distinctive as did the principal um, etc and back in the olden days uh, quotes around olden um, <laughs> you would come Forward, your name would be called, and you'd actually kneel. You genuflex in front of the chancellor, and the chancellor would whack you on the shoulder with his with his cap and say, "You know, rise, bachelor of science or whatever." Um, well, um, after some considerable reflection in the nineteen seventies, uh, it really thought that you know, genoflexing was not really a smart thing to do. It wasn't really appropriate for the times, et cetera. So they did away with the genoflexing and the whacking of the person on the shoulder with the hat. So the hat, it, to some degree became superfluous. And uh, certainly in the minds of, uh, of Daniel Wolf, um, he, he, he then thought, well, we don't need this hat because we're not tapping anyone on the shoulder. Um, And when I became chancellor, I remember the first uh, convocation, I said, well, but where's my hat? And everybody sort of looked dumbfounded. And I said, well, you know, I I really think we should have hats. And as I said, you know, people do pay attention when the chancellor (laughs) does take an interest in something. And all of a sudden, for the next convocation, there were hats. And uh, and so we had a so Daniel never really was never really accepted it, shall we say. It was always under duress. <laughs> and uh, and he he invariably we would be lined up to go into Grand Hall and I'd look over and I'd say, Daniel, you don't have your hat on. And he'd, oh, I left it up in the green room. But we would have someone who would fetch it for him <laughs> and begrudgingly he'd wear it up on on stage. And in one year, about the third year I was there, I came in to get dressed and my hat was gone. It wasn't there. (laughs) And and Daniel is professing that he knew nothing about it. Um, And I have no prima facie evidence uh, that in fact he he was involved in the um, abduction of my hat. Uh, but he said, since you're not wearing a hat for this ceremony, I'm not wearing a hat. And uh, and poor Tony uh, Easter, who is the choreographer of all convocations, um, however, arranged to have a new hat shipped from Toronto uh, Bus Express, and we had it for the next morning, much to Daniel's dismay
0: okay so there's a caper that needs to be solved with the case of the missing (laughs) cat oh what a wonderful story thank you for sharing this sounds like a a joyful um joyful bit of play that you've had uh, with with the past principal uh daniel wolf and of course you've had some uh, joyous occasions with students and faculty members uh since uh in the last couple of years too however um I guess things have changed a little bit for in terms of convocation because of the pandemic. Uh, How have things changed for you in terms of the experience of convocation uh, as it has evolved and adapted due to the coronavirus?
1: Yes, the damn coronavirus. Um, So uh, the first convocations that were affected, of course, were the ones in spring of, of 2020. And so we yeah. we did not have spring 2020 convocations. We had a graduation ceremony. And so we uh, taped uh, messages from myself, uh, from the principal, from the rector. And then each faculty had their own dean do it. And there were kind of, uh, uh, well, major online uh, gatherings by each faculty. Uh, faculty by faculty and they so after the kind of uh, the, the uh, speeches or presentations by myself the uh, principal and the rector they then went into their own faculty meetings and had you know toasted each other and stuff like that but it was not a convocation mm-hmm. students instead received their diploma and uh, if there were engineers their iron ring um, and their alumni pin uh, through the mail. Um, they were fully graduated. They could say they're a graduate of Queens, but it was not a convocation ceremony. And they were promised um, that as soon as public health would allow us, we would reconvene a proper in-person convocation. And that was largely at the, well, entirely at the request of the students. Um, the university administration mm-hmm. surveyed the graduates of 2020 who unequivocally and very loudly said, we don't want an online convocation. We want an in-person one when we can do it. Um, Last fall, uh, by contrast, we did run a online convocation uh, and it actually went went off very well. There are fewer students, of course. It went off very well and we had an honorary degree that we presented uh, virtually uh, to uh, Dr. Uh, Mitchell, and um, and so it was it, it was pretty good. As we come to 2021, we the administration has made the same decision as 2022. We cannot do an in-person convocation. We're going to do a ceremony, a graduation ceremony. Uh, I was filmed last week actually, for that um, actual presentation, et cetera. Uh, and that when public mm-hmm. health would um, allow, uh, we would have an in-person convocation. So one of the interesting things here is that we now have a backlog of convocations, 2022 and 2021, um, that have, people have been promised and, and will be held in person. Um, so, plans are in the works now for to schedule those, um, and it's going to be as soon as public health will permit. Um, the fact of the matter, though, that means there's a backlog of 30-plus convocations. And so, in discussions with our 15th chancellor, um, I think... I think everyone was afraid to tell them, well, the very first thing you're going to do is 30 to 40 convocations uh, in a row. <laughs> and, uh, and so um, the what University Council did was appoint uh, me as uh, Chair Emeritus, effective the 1st of July. And then this ba- big backlog of convocations is kind of like this fraud going through the snake um, will will feature well or, or I, I will be asked to do a certain percentage of them and Justice Sinclair will do the you know will do the balance so that we can have a bit of a sharing of the burden here uh, because we may be running you know two three weeks at four to five convocations a day.
0: Indeed. Okay. Well, those are things. We still look forward to uh, in-person convocations again when it's uh, certainly safe to do so, but uh, we certainly wish the best experience possible for the virtual versions of these that will be taking place in the meantime. It's still a happy occasion and and uh, 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 celebrating huge accomplishments for so many students. Uh, and what it, it's so wonderful, happy time of year when convocation yeah. comes around. So... What happens next for Chancellor Emeritus Jim Leach? Well, Where does your journey go now?
1: Well, there's there's a lot of time freed up, um, but uh, of course I will not lose my connections to Queens uh, that have you know been very close for many many years. Back when I was on the board of trustees before becoming Chancellor. Back when I was on the advisory board at Smith. So. Um, you know, I, I won't go far, uh, shall we say, and I've uh, made, I've, I've offered to assist uh, uh, Murray Sinclair in any way possible that, that he needs to help him in his position. Also, uh, our new dean, um, uh, Wanda Costin at, uh, at the Smith School, to, to help her in any way introduce herself to the um ontario business community etc so um that can be counted on uh i'm also still involved as the chair of the advisory board of the institute for sustainable finance which is at is housed at mm-hmm. smith so uh i'm very active uh with it it's a, it's a great institution that is uh, is going to make a big difference in helping people navigate through climate change over the next number of years. Uh, so I will be involved there. Still involved with the MasterCard Foundation, which um, is uh, huge and uh, uh, involved focused both on the indigenous communities in Canada, but also largely on Africa. So spend a whole bunch of time there. And, um, and still involved in, in hospital business in Toronto. So I don't think I'll be uh, uh, totally putting my feet up. And I've got a lot of pent-up men to spend time with my grandkids who I haven't seen in, in over a year. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to it. I'm, I'm hoping that we will have a near-normal summer and that all of them will be able to spend some time with us in close quarters at our cottage.
0: Oh yes, even just getting a hug, yeah. I think, would be just yeah. wonderful. I've got, I've oh, got one treat. I've what got one treat.
1: grandchild who has never had a birthday that wasn't on Zoom. Never oh. had an in-person oh. birthday with anyone coming to her birthday party.
0: Well, hopefully yes. that will change. Very, very soon. (laughs) Right. So before we close off today, Jim, what is it that you adore so much about Queens University and its community Mm -hmm. near and far?
1: I think there are a lot of things. What I think is fascinating is how the university has been able to reinvent and reinvigorate itself over time. I mean, it's it's an institution that's been around for 180 years. It's an institution that has been at the forefront of creating many of the um, instruments that have been the backbone of Canada. Uh, You know, and it has probably supplied more senior public public servants both in the province of Ontario and in Canada, um, who have been at the forefront of policies and and, and et cetera. Um, And so it it really does occupy a special place in the Canadian fabric, different than all other universities. Uh, Incidentally, I think that's one of the things, well, I happen to know it's one of the things that really attracted Justice Sinclair to become involved with Queen's was its unique position. I am really excited about the new strategic framework that has been put together Mm -hmm. by uh, Principal Dean. Um, It is succinct. It is punchy. It answers the question, why are we here? What are we supposed to be doing? Which all boils down to making a difference in the world, you know, addressing the tough questions in the world and coming up with an answer. And that's why, you know, coupling that new strategic framework with the uh, uh, Times Higher Education Impact uh, Rankings of number one in Canada and five in the mm-hmm. world—it's a perfect meshing of the two things together, and it gives us a real foundation and the. Queens community, the rankings on that study, um, you know, it should make everybody involved with Queens, you know, grow about an inch and a quarter, and, and stand up and be really proud of of how we stand in the world on impact. and And it's on a micro basis; it's impact on the individual students, and it's on a much and it's on a community basis, and it's on a worldwide basis. And so that's what. That's what turns me on
0: about the university. Thank you so much for sharing. Now, before we close today too, have you any uh, well wishes for students on campus that are graduating or continuing their studies or coming to campus in later this year? What messages have you for students? Well
1: Of course, of course, of course I wish them all the best. It's been tough, I mean to, to have the last year and a half of your studies for graduates, the last year and a half of your studies, so abnormal um, where you haven't had the social events, uh, you haven't had the athletic events, you know, so much of, which is the fabric of Queens um, is very difficult. I take my hat off to you. It's been tough. I've followed the, um, uh, the, I want to say struggles. Maybe it's too strong of the rector and what he's gone through this year. And I, my heart goes out to everybody because it is not easy. It's not. It's not. Uh, it's not normal, shall we say? Um, but I really take my hat off to the resilience of people who, by and large, have have excelled during this time. I take my hat off to the public health people. Uh, around the university and the, the university's response to COVID uh, and in keeping everybody safe has been has been pretty amazing. Um, so let's hope we get back to more normal. Let's hope we're out there cheering for the Gales on the football field and the basketball courts. Let's hope we have the you know the engineering uh, prom and uh, and social events and people can meet in the pub and do all the things we all wanna do, uh, starting with for the class that's coming in in September.
0: Indeed. Well, thank you so much. Anything else to add before we close today, Jim?
1: No, but it, except to say that it's, uh, this has been great and uh, best of luck to CFRC.
0: Thank you very much. Folks, we have been talking with Jim Leach, the 14th Chancellor of Queen's University, about his time and his tenure as our Chancellor. And very best wishes to you moving forward, Jim. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Right Thank you. Bye-bye.